Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Wednesday, and yes, it is a wet Wednesday, and we don't mind. A little rain here in the middle of the week. We needed it, um, and and it's, uh, you know, it is October, the middle of October, so hope everybody doing well. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get anything serious, just, just a little soaking that we've needed for a while. Bill, Dan, back from the, uh, from the, from the event yeah. last night how did things go it was a, a fun time i think uh, had, had by everybody a cool fundraiser for uh, for, for troy women's basketball uh, basketball and brushes the uh, the event they they had a a painting instructor come in and and do some uh, uh that sort of lead a, a class on did top you do of, any painting did a little bit of it i i was more uh, going around chatting with people and and trying to trying to keep things moving than, than sitting down i'm not I, I don't know that that's always been the the ability to create with your hands, painting, sculpting, that, that, that's uh, drawing. Yeah, you're you're yeah. artistic, but in a different way. Yeah, my yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my, my mom really... was an artist, and I mean, it was unbelievable what she could just what she could do. I and have the handwriting of a person who should be institutionalized. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I'm, there, there's nothing artistic about oh, I have, me. I have nice handwriting. I that's I'm, I'm proud of that, but. Um, but the, the bigger the fingers, the de- yeah, the, the dexterity. Yes, it's it's not. Do you, do, you, do you play piano? Did you ever try uh, that either? No, my mom, my mom played, and early on, I thought there was a chance maybe I'd do that, and I'm like, no, I, I was outside playing ball, so I, uh-huh. that was it. But it was it was a really cool chance for some fans to get you know up close with the coaches and players, and uh, and, and get to spend some time together and. and have some food and some cocktails in the arena. So, yeah, a good time. And, and I think maybe, you know, for a, for a first-time event, a, a great turnout. And they're hoping for an even bigger turnout if they, uh, if they try it again uh, next year. But season starts in about a month. Basketball season right around the corner, Jason. You know, we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be talking more and more about uh, the, uh, you know, everything going on on the hardwood pretty soon. It is. Uh, is it almost exactly? Is it exactly a month or just past? A yeah, month I have to Auburn? look. It's 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 yeah, it's right around there. So I mean, they, you know, it's really kind of kicking into high gear. Got pro day tomorrow for Auburn mm-hmm. men's basketball, and obviously Janai Broom will be a guy that will be folks will be paying a lot of attention to. But I mean, Aiden Holloway, yeah, I, mean, I think you know, so. You know, you know, I think there's just... nowadays when you look and it's it's the the young guy and it's and it's you know the guy that has kind of given himself a chance in that role too and. Maybe a guy like Denver Jones. I mean, who knows? I think there's some guys that'll have a chance to impress tomorrow. Well, D- Denver Jones fits the fits the profile. I guess Janai Broom does as well. That we that we've seen from different players over the last couple of years, where they'll go group of five, prove themselves at the group of five level enough to get a crack in the major conference, and then and then they play well in the major conference level, and it opens up the door for a uh, for a pro career. Think about Kobe Brown, right? I mean, he was. In-state guy, probably in hindsight, under-recruited out of high school. I loved him, man. I, I loved that kid. Watch, he came to Auburn camp uh, two or three times, and you could see that he had a unique skill set, but it just wasn't consistent. 
that's the same way he was for his first few years at Missouri. And then last year, he became that consistent guy to go along with a big body. I mean, a big body score, athletic, big man. Yeah, it, it changed his entire that, direction. Yeah, that, that equals first-round pick, you know, t- tail end of the first round and, uh, and going to get a shot to play uh, pretty early in his NBA career uh, with, the, uh, with the Clippers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how Denver Jones takes to major conference basketball, right? Like what it looks like when a guy who was ball-dominant scorer at a, a good group of five school – Suddenly, you know, it's it's a, a new new group of teammates around him, new philosophy offensively for for what he's what he's playing in. But he's a you know, you know seems like a really skilled basketball player who can who can fit a, a variety of different styles. I really I, I really like him. After you know, watching him a little bit this summer, um, and then some of the things we've seen already, kind of this fall. I think he can really shoot. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to want the ball in his hands at the end of the games. Yeah, they're going to be. It's going to be some scrimmaging tomorrow. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I thought, yeah, they're, yeah, there's it, a scrimmage it's, it's to go along a, with that. It's at a time where I may be able to actually get over and watch a little for a while. So I thought, yeah, yeah, that that would be good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but no, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting team for sure. So, um, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing how they progress throughout the year. That's Jason Caldwell, by the way, from uh, Auburn Undercover, part of the twenty four seven network. Joining us, as he does here on Wednesdays, uh, Bill, Dan, and Jason with Drew at the controls here on this Wednesday. We are on as the Braves and Phillies are about to get started. We'll keep you updated on that. And then, when the show's over, we will join that game in progress. And that will be followed right here on ESPN 106.7 by the Diamondbacks looking to sweep the Dodgers, as that series moves back to Arizona. No, no real surprises in the Braves lineup today. No Murphy again. Uh, they're, they're going with Darno uh, as the uh, as the catcher uh, in the six hole. They are DHing. Uh, who, who is the? Uh, it's Azuna. Azuna is the DH. DHing yeah. there in, in the in, in the five hole. Uh, Aaron Nola pitching what could be his final game as a Philly. Uh, he is in a contract year and could be and, and yeah. If, if the Phillies were to... Yeah, because he's not going to get to pitch again in this series. Right, and if the Braves were to win today and tomorrow, mm-hmm. the series is over and the Philly season is over and Aaron Nola goes into... And, uh, in, it, and you know, he's one of the names that I've heard I've heard some buzz about possibly uh, Atlanta being interested in. Seems like... he's uh, You know, he's, he's a, he's a uh, Louisiana boy, played at LSU. Well, I, I think that the, the hope for a lot of Braves fans is... As, regar- as, as someone named Nola should. Regardless of what happens in this postseason, you know, there are Braves fans who really hope that Atlanta is out there looking for a front-line starting pitcher uh, in this, in this, uh, uh, in, in this offseason. Now, they have Strider and Freed and Elder, who, who had a, a great season in, in his own right. I, you know, it seems like if they can upgrade... It would be well. There are other teams with money where it seems like it's a more urgent need to upgrade their starting pitching. Yeah, but the Braves have more money available than a lot of other teams if they want to spend some on a pitcher. Right. If if they want to bring in, I don't remember. Like it's it's been a while since the Braves have signed a big. Who would be the big like off off you know acquisition what? from a from a pitching standpoint? From, well, free, free, no free agent. Oh. I would just say the last like big free agent the Braves signed from another team. They've made some big trades. But I'm thinking about like the last big impact. For, it's it's more seems like the resources have been more yeah, allocated. The Braves, towards, haven't, the Braves haven't gone into the free agent market signing the big names, no. right? And so not, I, not in not in a long, long time. So I, so I wonder if and, and maybe they will go go you know pick up a big name starting pitcher this offseason. I know there's some Braves fans who really want them to 
uh, you know, make a push for Otani, uh, despite uh, the odds maybe being stacked against. Well, everybody East, would like East every, Coast every fan base would love their their team to add Otani. I still think the Braves should uh, make uh, make a package together for Mike Trout. That that's that's my that's my thinking about what they should do. But I know that's. Uh, that was you. You were really on that when Marcelo Zuna was terrible too. Right. I mean, you know, the guy ended up hitting well, forty well, homers. No, their I'm, outfield is not bad. What I tend to be, and we'll pivot this back <laughs> to football, but like I tend to be impatient with prospects on a team trying to win right now. So yeah, I know. Like, you you were ready. You were ready to toss Austin Riley. You well, kept asking everybody year before last, Jason. He kept asking everybody, "Don't you think the Braves need a third baseman?" Right. And I was th- well, and especially the guy I kept mentioning was Arenado. Where I was like, "Would you would you trade Austin Riley to go get Nolan Arenado?" Nolan, Ar- Nolan and in Ar- hindsight, it's a good move that they did. It's it's a good I mean, move. That Nolan's been good. Yeah, Arenado's still been really yeah. good in St. Louis. But like, and so I would look at it the same way, where it's like Michael Harris has this crazy upside mm-hmm. and, and he's already making good on it uh, to a, to a big degree. Would, would, would he be, is he untouchable? Even if we're talking about a player like Mike Trout as, as the, I other think side so. Of that? Like, yeah, I would ma- think ma- so. And, in the Braves eyes, he probably, yeah, and, and maybe, be. and maybe but, the answer to that is yes. Probably because of what you'd have to give up to get him. Yeah. Would and, it, and because know. Mike Trout is starting to break down a little bit. I mean, he's played so hard and the, and the injuries are popping up more and more and, with him. And the other part of it too is, and, and I, hey, I don't watch any major league baseball. I mean, I, obviously, I, I see. You know, there's enough of my Twitter timeline to I know what happens to every Braves pitch. Um, but sometimes there's something to be said for having a group of superstars and having guys around them that that understand their roles mm-hmm. and aren't worried about garnering the spotlight. And I think that's what you see right now from the, the teams that are winning in a lot of sports right now too. Yeah, and, so, and Harris could be a superstar for a really long time. Oh, he time could too, be. And he could like, be. You know, that. So we'll be keep, we'll keep you updated on what's going on with that. Obviously, with Jason here, we're going to uh, uh, talk about Auburn LSU. Auburn coming off the the open date. We'll talk about that and more. Love for you to join in. You can call us at three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive Text Box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And uh, we will go ahead and get to the phone, and Anthony is up first. Hey, Anthony. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Doing fine. You know, uh, Coach Stoops, uh, he's let it be known to the boosters that he wants the uh, finances to, to be able to recruit more, uh, get out and, and – uh, Pauling some players like some of these other schools, but uh, they don't seem like they want to uh, dance to the music. But, you know, um, he has the program right now in the best shape he's been in since Coach Bryant was there in the 50s when he won the conference title. I don't understand. I mean, I know it's a basketball school or whatnot, but if you're going to be in the Southeastern Conference and uh, you want to go bowling on a regular basis and you want a program that's going to be competitive and you want to win and, and all this kind of stuff, then uh, they need to go ahead and come up with the money they need to do the things they need to do if not, then go ahead and move down to the Sun Belt or Conference USA uh, as far as uh, being in the conference as far as football goes. Well, he's had he's had the resources to do all those things. He just hadn't been able to beat Georgia. Like he's, he's been able to do a lot of things that just didn't seem all that plausible. Kentucky, including turn the tide in the Florida rivalry. Uh, but, yeah, his, his response, I'd, I'd love to know what Jason thought. Of of you know the, the sort of the, the comment Stoops made about if you yeah. if you really want I, I don't have any Georgia problem. bought Georgia bought some great I, players I don't have any problem with with the <laughs> with the the saying it I have a problem when he said it don't say it at, don't say it now say it in preseason or at the end of the year not yeah, after don't you, say it right after you get after you get you get it, you get it Here's handed to you, you. you now it was on the road you got but you got drug by a team that that the week before 
Kentucky's a more talented team than Auburn is. I'm not. I'm not. No bones about it. Kentucky has more talent than Auburn does right now. Um, people are talking about all oh, the four and five star guys. Kentucky had no had had a a a good bit more talent than Florida did. That team they beat. Everybody's talking about oh, it's a huge, like they had, Kentucky had a more talented roster than Florida did. Um, of the of the teams in the, in that division right now, they're probably South Carolina would be close. Them and South Carolina would be right there behind. Georgia and Tennessee for the most talented rosters on that side of the, of the division. Probably been that way for much of the last seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and and, and, and here's I, I saw a stat the other day. How many how many winning winning records? Yeah, had, and he got upset about that. Yeah, I mean he was so the the. Uh, um, you, mean, you heard about this one, didn't you, Dan? How many SEC teams with a winning record has Kentucky he, beaten? He has beaten two in his career. Two three. SEC. Three, right? I think no, it's two and 26. Yeah. He that, is two and 26 against teams that finished with a winning record in conference play. That was brought up to him, and he said, I think you're wrong. And, and then the uh, guy came back and went, no, coach, no, you're two and 26. Yeah. And so <laughs> and people, somebody said, well, you know, when you play Georgia, well, okay, well, Auburn plays Georgia and Alabama and LSU. Every Texas year. A&M. Yeah. You know, like, like the, we saw Vandy. We saw James Franklin. James Franklin has carried it on to Penn State and done a good job. But Kentucky has taken advantage of playing in that division. There's no question about it. Are they better? Absolutely they're better. Um, can they get to where they want to get to? I don't think so. How, but how, how many schools right now around college football look at Georgia and say, yeah, realistically, we're – two, three years away from fielding a team that's going to be able to go punch for punch with, with the Georgia Bulldogs. Realistically? Right no, not, 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 I not doubt on, that not, there are very many at all. Not 12 games. You go, hey, can we do it on a given Saturday like Auburn did two weeks ago? That's, or if we're rolling in the playoff and we maybe that, get a crack at them neutral field. That, yeah. That's what, you know, like yeah. Ohio State. I mean, there's yeah. teams that, that, I mean, Ohio State last year. Still a small number, though. Yes, like, it, uh, oh, yeah. But, but Missouri last year on the road. That's where you have to do these things. And, I mean, Georgia was at home, a big difference. And it's much like Auburn going to LSU this weekend, Kentucky going to Georgia last weekend, going, look, you've got to make some things happen or else then you're, you're going to be behind the eight ball. I think, you know, it's not the first time we've heard someone talk about a team buying players. To me, the notion that Georgia bought players isn't as interesting as, Mike, uh, as, as Stoops saying, if you're a fan who's unhappy, you used to just complain – now, if you're unhappy give and you want money. this to change, you, you, you call up the NIL collective and you give money to that group, and that's how you demonstrate that you're unhappy hey, with what's going on, which is an interesting thing. thing for a coach to say. Well, but in reality, they'd have to have a lot more money than Georgia to try to get in the ballpark with the players that Georgia's getting because Georgia is a much more attractive place to go play football and than Kentucky And is. they're signing basketball players that Georgia isn't that signing is right. at the University of Kentucky, and, which and is – Which has, yes. I mean, you know, the NIL money, it's there. But here's the other part of that. And I heard Rick Neuheisel today. Normally I like – listen, but he was talking about – they were talking about fan support – in the Pac-12 and, and West Coast for college football. Mm-hmm. Like, has it increased this much more? And he goes, oh, it's always been there. They, but they've been disenfranchised because of the playoff system and because of the SEC. Uh, not, not, that, that's, sorry, a bunch, that's a bunch of bonk. I went to yeah, some – right. I, I, li- I like, I like New Heights. That's, that's a bunch that's of crazy. bonk. I mean, and it is. But, but he's saying the same thing. But the one thing he I do agree with 
yeah, kids are leaving the West Coast. They're going to Georgia. Bryce Young coming to Alabama mm-hmm. because the programs are better, because the support's better. NFL rosters. Because the roster's where, where, yeah, better. Where, where, because where they, they yeah. have a chance to, yeah. to make you know the college football playoffs. That it's not it's nobody's fault but the Pac twelve. He's like, Well, the SEC was smart, Pac twelve's played nine games. They didn't have to. They didn't have to play nine games. That was their choice. They chose to play nine games and knock each other off and do those things. That was their call. What do you think of is is there something to because Auburn lost a basketball recruit to to Kansas recently, right? It was it was in the last couple of last couple of weeks. There was a player who picked Kansas. And I was thinking are are schools and there's a still a select number where Maybe foot, maybe basketball is a priority over football of the of the schools that make up power conference uh, athletics now. You know, sixty or sixty five of them, handful of them, where you would say men's basketball is still a bigger deal on campus than football. Kentucky's one of them. Kentucky's one. Duke's one. And the, and Kansas is one. Kansas and, is and these one. Are, these are places where maybe they're not having to share nil like some of the football yeah. places are. When it's correct. I mean. Even though North Carolina football is really good, North Carolina, North Carolina basketball right. still runs the show there. Um, and you start thinking, UCLA, even as even as much as UCLA basketball hasn't been that lately, it's still the thing that runs the show. It's going to be harder than ever to have an athletic department where your football program and your men's basketball program is, are both recruiting at a top 10 level. It's going to be harder than ever to have that. Because well, here, here's what you got to have. you got to have somebody that, that says, hey – I want the basketball program to be successful because all it, the, the difference, yeah, you've got the to have some, some all it, all huge it takes donors. Guys. And yes. now we're back and now we're back to Auburn because this all is an Auburn place where I think both coaches envision, correct. yeah, we're going to have top 10 classes. But see basketball, all it takes is two guys. You're not having to think about signing 20 of those guys. It's two in basketball. You sign two of those guys in basketball, fill in with transfers and you have done what you needed to do to have a roster to go compete for a championship. And that's what Auburn has seemingly done this that's year. That's the difference. That, that's, that's why in basketball it can be done um, at a lot of different places. And we've seen it at Houston. Houston's been good for a long time. But right now you go, how, how do they do it? Well, they can do it because all it takes is a couple of guys. We need to get to our first break of the afternoon. Great Jason stuff, great Caldwell stuff, with us. Pre- appreciate the phone call. Yeah, uh, Jason Caldwell with us. We'd love for you to join in as well here on the Tuesday Drive. Wednesday. Wednesday. Country stuff for 321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Wednesday afternoon. 23 minutes after 4 o'clock. Now the Braves are out in the uh, top of the first and uh, quickly two down for the fills in the bottom half. We'll keep you updated there. Don't forget... Following the game, unless this one's over. I mean, you've had a lot of a lot of major league games get done in around two hours this year. We'll be joining the uh, the Braves and Phillies here on ESPN 106.7, and that'll be followed by the uh, Dodgers Diamondbacks right here on ESPN 106.7. We're still in the first, yeah. so I'd be I'd be surprised if it was over by six. Well, I'm, but, it, well, but you're it, right. No, it these can things, be close. These things can be cr- no. You're right. If if if, uh, if, if, if Elder and, and Nola, these are a couple of pitchers. Yeah. That don't generally throw a lot of balls. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, they're 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 guys that throw throw a lot of strikes. This 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 thing could get a. You're, you're right. This thing could get. A, it, it could it could quickly get into the deep innings. Yeah, and and it's because it's tied and it's not the deciding game. You won't have the fifty pitching changes that you have when it's the deciding game. True. Because then they go, hey, we still got another game. If it you know, because once it, you, if you have one of these deciding games and it gets. 
five-run lead in the fourth inning, then all of a sudden every inning becomes a matchup inning to try to mm-hmm. limit everything you got. I, I always forget when we have Jason in here how much of the conversation was on air and how much of the, the – was it for, just for commercial breaks. So we were talking quarterbacks, and this can also relate to Saturday night because I think one of the stories with LSU and why that offense is so dangerous is because of what they have at quarterback in Jaden Daniels. The supporting cast matters – a ton as well, but Daniels. And if you haven't taken a look, the the, the numbers this season are sensational. Right? Like he's, I mean, nineteen and nineteen touchdowns, two picks. He's averaging right around six yards a carry on the ground. Yeah, close to seventy five percent completion. I, I, I wrote about him today. Here's the thing that people don't realize. Now he's played football a lot. He started as a true freshman five years ago. So him and Bo, him and Bo Nix are essentially the same guy, except he got hurt as a sophomore at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. He missed a little time. These guys have played a ton of football. He has 2,500 rushing yards. How many running backs in history would go, hey, I'd love to have 2,500 rushing yards. Yeah, no kidding. He has 2,500 yards rushing in his career, 10,000 passing yards. Um, I mean, when you start talking about quarterbacks right now, if LSU had, if LSU had beaten Florida State instead of, of, of lost that first game, even when they lost, he would be – I still think he's a Heisman guy. He would be probably he the would leading. Be, he would be right candidate. there. Him yeah. and Michael Penix and obviously all those Pac-12 guys. Yeah, no, he's playing at a, an extremely high level. Malik Neighbors is really good. Uh, this is as I'll say as talented. This is the best offense I believe that Auburn will face all year. I think they're. I agree. I, I think I they're better the, than the, the Ole Miss offense, offense yep. they'll they'll see next week. Ole Miss is good. Well, just, but Daniels is so much better. Jackson Dart is a guy yeah. that can run. Jaden Daniels is a guy that can run and take it to the house, and that's the difference. And and Daniels feels like one of those players that gives LSU a chance, even when I mean they're going to go to Tuscaloosa later in this season. Yeah, and if he continues playing at this level, that that, that game is is a winnable game for the LSU for, for LSU because the offense is as potent as it is. Georgia later in the year, if LSU keeps winning, they win the West. Well, yeah, and you're right because you're giving them a chance here and. I mean, I asked guys about it yesterday. I said, gap integrity is so important. Even against the best defensive line you can have, a guy like Jaden Daniels can neutralize that because all of a sudden, if you take off chasing him and and he gets away for a second, you're playing man, you look up, and it's a 35-yard gain. Yeah, and I, it, and I those, was saying yesterday, if you're doing that, if you're a defensive back and you're doing that, you turn your head and he may be running by you. Correct, and so <laughs> it, it makes it very difficult to figure out, and you know, people are like, well, you got to spy him. Well, first of all, it's hard to spy because he's really good, even with a spy. Second of all, it's hard for coaches to go, we need to spy somebody because then it takes. Then somebody. you're playing ten. You're, you're playing, playing ten. 10 guys. Yes, because yeah. it basically you're not in coverage and you're not blitzing. You're just kind of sitting there waiting to see if he does something. It's hard to he's, do that. He's too accurate well, too as a passer. I mean, that, that well, works you better can, with guys. Well, with, you can do it, but your front four has to be really good. If your front four can get after guys. You, then you can afford to, to, to have a spy, maybe. Which is something Auburn Auburn's just, not just there. hadn't been mm-hmm. able to do. 334-321-1390. Let's get back to the phone. And Dak is up next. Hey, Dak. Hey, guys. Good to hear you today. Uh, my question is for Jason. Jason, uh, and we've talked about this before with Bill and them, um, what is the rule when CBS wants to be the game of the, of the weekend at 2.30 can you refuse it if you want to play your game, your home game at night? No, I, I mean, I, I don't believe so. I think it's part of the contract where where the that's that's part of what you sign up for. They 
they kind of control things. And so I don't. I get. Yeah, I get that. I don't. I, I, don't, I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't believe you can say, "Hey, no, no, we're not going to play at two thirty. It just seems like it. I, Dak may be getting to the point where. Yes. It seems like LSU is able to get their games at night more than most. Well, there's teams two. At home. There's two That's weeks. Right. There's two weeks where I think ESPN has a priority, or there's a or there's a doubleheader involving a night game. Correct. There's a well. Th- this week's a doubleheader with eleven a.m. and two thirty. Yeah, and, and one of the but CBS, that's what's odd. Yeah. I guess what's odd, and no. a lot of people have wondered how LSU manages no. well, to get so he, many. He, here's night why: games. because for years they've gone, right. oh, we we prefer to play at night, and they just bow to them and let them do it. That's what happens. Yeah, um, although, although so, and that's what I, and that's what I figured. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's so unfair. But, but LSU LSU Bama is really the only one that, that's been no. tradi- like is of the of it, the traditional like I mean because otherwise when it's the game of the week because LSU's played. On they, CBS at 2.30. They've played some 2.30, but the every time they the play Alabama like desi- at home, is always yeah, that's, that's, the one, that's the one that's designated a night game seemingly yes. every, yeah, every, every year. They, they, they look at Bama, the dates and go, oh, that's one of our is, dates. Yeah, Bama, Correct. LSU. It's like, it's like the, it's the, like the Georgia, cocktail Florida, party. Yeah, like the Georgia, cocktail Florida, and then that night, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, when it's played in Tuscaloosa, it's at 2.30. But every time it's played at LSU, it's at night. Yeah, a lot of times it's at 8 o'clock. Yeah, and that's the thing. Right. A lot of it is because of – the the doubleheader time when it falls on the year, um, and when they select those games, and that's usually one of the only night games CBS carries. It's the only, of, it's, of the, it's the only yeah. one all like year. It's, it's well, almost like they've made it. You know, and, and well, you know what? And some of that's maybe for the television. Well, here's the thing: that the good is, news you know, is, is this the last year you had to worry about it. Now the problem is, next year, is that the 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 marquee games are going to be one is going to be a night, and one of them is going to be eleven a.m. Because they're going to go. Right. They want to go up they're against. Going to be a lot more eleven o'clock big, big games. I could big see. Games. Yeah. I could see ESPN putting big games at eleven with game day there. They're going and going they're right going to, from game day to the biggest game of the week so at eleven. They're o'clock. going to do a lot of that. Yeah. So that's the problem next year. Is it's going to even be even worse next year when it goes to these because they're going to try to go up against that Fox Big Noon, yeah. and and a lot of these football games are going to now be at eleven a.m. and so. Um, so we'll see how that impacts things, but I think people better get used to, to having some of those 11 a.m. game kickoffs for really big games. So right now, guys, give me your opinion on will our game against Alabama be at night or at 2, 2.30? Uh, Is there a bigger game uh, like me, on the surface look, that it. weekend? That would be my question I've got about, it right here. Um, about the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I got the SEC schedule. Are you talking about this year, Dak? Are you talking about uh, – yeah, yeah, this year. This year. I would, I would say night game. Be, would be I, my, I pray I, that it is. I would say I, I'm sh- I'm shocked that we got Ole Miss at night, but I'm happy. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of it does depend on on the other games. Yeah, the the other games. I mean, Florida, Florida State could be an attractive uh, one. If yeah, but it's, a, crack at it's at it. in Tallahassee. Florida yeah, it, it's in Tallahassee. If, if LSU or A and M kept winning, no, it's a, yeah, no, it's, it's, in, it's in Gainesville. Gainesville. Yeah, it's yeah. in Gainesville, that, and South Carolina, Clemson is Kentucky, at Columbia Louisville right now. But I mean, Louisville. You know, I, I, I would say I would say that Florida State, Florida, if Florida State is undefeated. Um, just depends on if Florida just f- falls apart. But yeah, right. Florida's going to lose a couple more times. Yeah. I, I, I I Florida's got. Uh, Florida is at South Carolina this week. Then they got then they got Georgia, and they're at LSU as well as games against uh, Arkansas. Dak, I, I take no I take no pleasure in bursting bubbles. I would probably guess that that the Iron Bowl is the CBS game at two thirty. But the well, good thing about that is for, it's dark before halftime. Well, for that, but here's the thing: for that to happen, I mean, we're talking about Florida. Auburn's going to have to win a bunch of these games too. That is true. And so if Auburn if Auburn goes out there and Auburn is 
is eight and three, then it's one hundred percent going to be the CBS game. If, 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 LSU, Auburn's, if Auburn's seven and four, I think I think it's probably still an afternoon game. A&M if Bama beats be the, LSU, yeah, you got A and M LSU too. A and M LSU might be the competition but, if but, LSU but, keeps winning. But that could be two. LSU three needs to beat Alabama. That could be two yeah, three LSU, lost teams. If too. LSU kept winning, that, would, that could be. I yeah. would guess night game right now. I would guess. If, Jason, if we could come out of this game this weekend healthy, not beat up. We we can win those last six ball games. I, oh, I completely no agree. I, I you know I, I, we've said this a bunch. I said it before the season started. I had a I had the three three six model. That was my thing. There was three games that you, that you're going to win. You still got one of those left against New Mexico State. You had three that you go. If you win one of those three, it's going to be an absolute upset. Georgia was the first one of those, and you had a chance to win it. Mm-hmm. LSU's the next one. And then even though Alabama's at home, you go, that's going to be a big one if you could win that one at home. That's Absolutely. The, and then there's six where I went, okay, I think those are toss-up games. You've had Cal and you've had Texas A&M. Now you got Arkansas. I mean, you got Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vandy. Those are, those are the four games that will make or break this season. Um, you win those four and beat New Mexico State, and I think you have a chance to do that. We just talked about Arkansas kind of a little bit off the air, but – they're reeling. They're going to lose their fifth straight game this weekend. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State is really struggling. Ole Miss is the one. You're right. You're right. This weekend, if you can – it's not only staying healthy. If you can come out of this game going, hey, we took another step forward. Yeah, that feeling like you're, 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 you've got, that, they, you've that, got it, that next step that you made after, after seeing even, improvement. Even as bad game. as A&M was in terms of numbers, I thought – they were a, there were a lot of things they did better against A&M. There were obviously the things they did better against A&M than they did Cal. They just didn't – still weren't quite on the same page. Georgia was a little bit closer. I thought there was even more things they did better. I just listened to somebody talking about Devin Leary at Kentucky going, they're off a little bit. They, they got a little issue here or there. And so, um, can you connect? Can they, can they find a little bit of the passing game this weekend against a team that has really struggled against the pass? If you do that and you're healthy – then I think you got to feel much better about Ole Miss. But I think you need to build a little bit more confidence this weekend. Appreciate the call, Dak. We need to get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Come on in and join us here on the Wednesday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 22 minutes away from 5 o'clock. Bill, Dan, Jason Caldwell, Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. All right, Jason, Auburn. Open date, obviously one of the first one of the first objectives was get healthy, but then the other objective was find out what Auburn needs to be doing and you know what they what they don't need to do. I really think is it, those those were the key things during the open date. Yeah, you know we just talked about it. Can you find a way to build on what you did against Georgia? I thought there were some really positive things they did. Even in the passing game, I thought Peyton Thorne did some much better things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still had some protection issues. And, and he freeze was, was – I thought Monday was another really, really enlightening press conference when you listen to a coach say, look, hey, there's four or five things that we did as a coaching staff we got to get better at. There's four or five things. He wasn't that, happy with that. Yeah, and there's four or five things that, that the players have to do. Got to make a few plays in the passing game. 
but I, I thought there were some interesting things. It's the perspective, and it, it came through again on Monday where, where he'll say, and we were talking about this off the air, Bill, like when a player makes a mistake on the field, some people would look at it and say, well, that player shouldn't have made the mistake. And it seems like Hugh Freeze looks at it and says, if we had done a better job as coaches, that player would have known what to do in that situation and may not have in made some, that mistake. In some instances. In, yeah. I think sometimes they know that the player should know. And it's on the player. Sure, and, and he's not going to call him out like that. But but it, no, but the but right. the accountability and the refusal to sort of throw players under the bus and the acknowledgement that uh, yes, yeah, some of this uh, you know some of the lack of production in key areas has been uh, at least partially because of the coaches. So so coming out of the bye week, Jason, is there? I think especially offensively, is is there something that you think they've. Uh, you know, are, are there any conclusions you, you think they've 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 made, or players that you think might need to see the field more than they have in the in the first half of the year? Like, I wonder. I, I think of... I think wide receiver is the first spot you have to go to and mm-hmm. go. Okay, let's let's break it down. And I don't, I don't know about starting over, but I think we saw it now. Let's preface this by saying Auburn does not have Brock Bowers, but you saw what Georgia has done the last two weeks going. Okay, who's our best player? Let's see how many times we can get him the ball. That's the thing, I think, for Auburn. You go, okay, how do we get our best guys the ball? No matter what position it is. Who would, who would, who would do you think that, would fit the bill of the, the best players I think on that's the right thing now, right now. You look at it and go, to start the season, I think the guy that's been the most comfortable guy at wide receiver in this group has been Jay Fair. Mm-hmm. The last two games, he only has five touches. 12 yards, I think, or 22 yards. It's something – Okay, now he was wide opening at A&M, missed throw there, uh, had, a, had a deep ball shot. So they've tried a couple of them. How do we get him the ball more? Rivaldo Fairweather, they've tried, but uh, teams have now said, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to let you get down the field to get a one-on-one shot. We're going to basically make you catch the ball short and, and make a man miss. So getting Var Johnson back on the field would be number one for me. Uh, they've, uh, he's a guy to me that, that can deliver, and yeah, you're going to be small. But you got to get guys that can create some separation. He can do that. Yeah, we, we've only seen that, I think, one or two plays this year because Correct. of injuries. Correct. And then, to me, the other one is, is, is Caleb Burton ready. He wasn't here in spring. He's a guy that came in in the summer, um, a little behind because he had never played before, really. Can you get him involved in this passing game, him and then Camden Brown? I, to me, those are guys I think, okay, how do you get those guys involved? But more than that, 21 – is a guy that has to get more touches. Yep, I was about – that's the guy I was thinking. I mean, he, you've got he, to get the ball. He's the guy that's been the best player on offense the last two weeks against the two most physical mm-hmm. teams. You would think it wouldn't be that guy. It's he, so hard to make Georgia, like, look slow. Yeah, and, and at and times, Petit was able in the open field. Yes, and, and so in the passing game, I think him and Jeremiah Cobb both are guys that you have to get involved in the passing game to help out – Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, and and the Auburn quarterbacks. To me, that's the part that has to get added to this. Um, in the short game, getting those guys out there, and 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 taking advantage of it, and and, and that that quick game has to come. They've got to do a better job because teams are going to continue to go. You know, we're on first down, especially, we're not going to let you run the ball. We saw George doing it. We saw A and M doing it. Going, hey, we're just going to attack and and come after you. They got to find an answer in the quick game, 
and that's where the experienced quarterback has to come in. But you can see that still issues with an offense that not everybody is kind of together. As they look for answers at receiver, I, I did. I think I threw it out there on the show yesterday on the phone that you know what what about trying. What about trying Rivaldo more at receiver and playing other guys at tight end? Or, or you know, I, I don't know exactly what the answer would be there. You threw Caleb Burton out there. I mean, he's he's probably the only receiver we haven't seen. I mean, I guess VAR would be the other one because of the injuries. Yeah. But like this year, they've they've kicked they, the tires they, on pretty much everyone yeah, else. We, we've seen a little bit of Camden Brown the last two weeks, and he had a had a ball in his hands against A&M and then had a catch against Georgia on the sidelines and, and made a play. Wouldn't be shocked to see him getting a little bit more at, now that he's put a few – you know, three or four weeks together healthy. That's been that's been some of the issue too, whether it was Jay or Shorter early. Um, you know, we've seen VAR a couple of times now, um, with a little nagging injuries. Um, they've they've had some guys. Coy Moore finally got back mm-hmm. out there. I thought looked good as a punt returner, um, doing the things he did the other day. But you know, it's the biggest thing is gonna be just 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 make a play or two and it, and have some confidence for the first time. That's going to be as much as anything. I mean, first first down, you, you talked about it, how teams have said, you know, hey, we're, we're just going to stop. I mean, Auburn's got to do some things to get decent yardage, just, you know, four or five yards That's on it. first down. That's it. You got it. Whether you, it's, you know, a, you know, a quick pass, something. And, I mean, L, and LSU's kind of, and, and Hugh Freeze alluded to it Monday, but LSU's basically changed their entire defensive scheme almost in two weeks. They went from a, a three-man front to a four-man front and said, we're going to go get more pressure and put more bigger bodies in, on the field. They did that some against Missouri, and they didn't work a bunch, but Missouri's playing really well. And here's the other thing that for, for Auburn fans to kind of, okay, take a deep breath and, and get ready to hear, Missouri's wide receivers are miles better than Auburn's. I mean, they got two five-star guys outside. Luther Burden is, is, is one of the top five great. wide receivers yeah. in the country. And they got Theo Weiss, who was a five-star guy, too, that went to Oklahoma originally. They got – they got two dudes outside of wide receiver. Brady, you know, you look at the quarterback and going, okay, it's a lot easier to play when you have guys like that out there. Um, can Auburn find a way to get some of those guys in some open field and, and make some connections? To me, that is job number one. And you gotta, you're going to have to score. I don't, now, I don't think you can get into the 30s. No, I don't think you need to get into a scoring match. You can't get into just a but, shootout. But you're also not going to win this game 17 to 13. No, no, because, I mean, they're going to score They're going to score around 30. Yeah, so just, I, I, mean, it I just think feels it needs like, to be 28, 26, yeah. 28, 20. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, once it crowd You're going to need to score. That, if you don't score 30, you better score real close yeah, to it Yeah, once it, it crosses chance. that 30 threshold, then, to me, Auburn's chances go way down. Yep. So, I think – and, you know, how much can you ball control? I mean, LSU's given up a ton of passing yards. They've also given up 163 yards rushing. Yeah, they're giving up a ton of yards, period. That's with two NFL defensive tackles in the middle. And, a, and, an, and NFL an NFL linebacker. linebacker. I mean, yeah. they, they've, got, they've got some guys. They're secondary. That's when you look at it. Their safeties are good. Major Burns, those guys are good. At corner, you could look and go, that's been LSU's strength for years. Mm-hmm. Their best corner right now is probably a transfer from southeastern Louisiana. That's the difference. Can Auburn take advantage of them? Jason Caldwell with us for one more segment. We'll get to our final break. Had a question that uh, I, I said I'd pass along to you today for uh, uh, just a little baseball update. We'll, we'll get that and more. Love for you to join in, 334-321-1390, as we continue here on the Wednesday Drive. 1067 online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive. Final segment of hour number one in our final few minutes with Jason Caldwell from Auburn Undercover, uh, part of the uh, 24-7 network. Uh, Jason, yeah, I was on with, uh, with, with Wimp and Barry Sanderson this morning. And of course, they have a vested interest in yes. wanting to know what's going on with, with Auburn baseball. But I thought a good time to, to bring that up. I mean, fall workouts going strong and uh, got uh, scrimmages coming up. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, I've been out probably four or five days for 30, 45 minutes, a couple of times a little longer. So I, I've seen them a good bit already. Um, lots of new faces. That's the thing. I'm trying to get out there and, and familiarize myself with, with new faces and how guys look when they swing and body styles. Cause you know, cause you're not, you know, baseball, you can see faces, but, yeah. it, but you still, it helps if you say, I recognize that guy. So I've been able to watch a good bit. Um, the first thing that jumps out to me is how much more physical Chris Stanfield and Ike Irish look. Um, Ike Irish was already physical, but Ike Irish. Yeah, he, but he was he was sort of lean. A he, li- yeah, a like like watching him now and the way he attacks the baseball, I think he's a guy that's a, a fifteen to twenty home. He run was guy. yeah, he was a gap guy yeah, last yes, year, I think, and I figured yeah, that's going to grow into over the fence power. Chris, Chris Stanfield, we saw him hit a home run in Hoover at the SEC tournament. Yeah. I mean, he, he had bat speed already. He's added a little bit more muscle to it um as center fielder so i think those two spots i look at going and those guys are going to be i think fun to watch cooper mcmurray had a little knee procedure mm-hmm. he's out for the fall um should be fine but you know you have uab transfer coming in uh, gavin miller's moved over to, to play some first base um the story probably is just middle infield what happens with those spots caden green is back uh, cooper weiss the transfer from Miami, ohio um i think probably going to be the shortstop 5'11", 200. I mean, he's a physical, stout-looking guy. He's in there. Javon Hernandez from Jacksonville State. Uh, transferred, hit, what, 397 or whatever last mm-hmm. year. Derek Fabian, big 6'3", shortstop, could be third baseman, could be second baseman. Um, his brother, Judd Fabian, was a big-time player at Florida. Derek was a guy that hit a bunch of home runs in the Cape Cod League this summer. He, he was like either the player of the year or one of the top players of the year in high school yes. down in Florida. Yes, uh, he, he has a, a lot of talent. So, I think those spots, Bobby Pierce is back, so which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sort of expect Bobby to, to yeah, I think, add, I, add I a think few homers. Be, yeah, you know, he doesn't have that up, uppercut swing right. as much, but I think he's a guy that's going to do some things there. So, I think offensively they'll be good. But it's a matter of kind of finding the spots. Ton of pitching. This where does it factor? Joseph Gonzalez is throwing. The plan right now is for him to throw from now to the season. He's not going to take a break. They're going to ramp up gradually mm-hmm. all the way through the winter. He won't go home. He'll stay here and throw, get him ready. And because of that, they'll probably just have him ready and he'll be ready to go, you know, six, seven innings opening day. Um and you know the Tanner Bowmans and, and Will Cannons. There's there's you know Zach Crotchfield back. There's there's lots of arm potential for this team. Well, what do you uh, what do you know about Rintaro Sasaki? Have you heard about the story? The I mean this is a yeah. really yes. Build, you, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, he, no. He he is basically the Jap- Japanese Babe Ruth of high school. Yes, the the top high school player in Japan who has decided that because he wants to go to Major League Baseball. Rather than go through the NPB system, he is going to come to America and play college baseball okay. and be drafted in three years. Vanderbilt pegged as the early leader Van- for a guy who yeah, is, is the early number one overall pick in 2027. Yeah, yeah. 5'11", 250. I mean, like he, he's a lefty, kind of Sonny DeShero-looking guy, but uh-huh. yeah, I think 150 high school home runs. Same high school as Shohei Otani. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and is coming to – yeah, there, but, there's no – Yes, so I, 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 think, uh, I think Auburn kicked the tires there um 
I think this is an academic decision as well as baseball decision. But you start thinking about right now it's really, really difficult for international students to get NIL. So you start mm-hmm. thinking about places that have built-in full scholarship situations, Vanderbilt, Stanford. Those would be the two schools I would look at because of the endowment. They, they basically they go in on, on full rides. Do you know anything about Auburn's stance on – because I'm under the impression it's almost school to school <clears throat> as far as advising foreign players to take NIL opportunities or not because it's sort of unsettled law – with immigration, correct. It's, it's it has to do with F one student visas and whether yes. or not so, uh, nil it, money would violate that that student visa. Yeah. It's not really the schools. It's like not. It, it's, it's basically a governmental issue. Yes, yeah, but so so I think it's almost. It sounds like it's almost school to school. You know, Kentucky and, and Oscar Shibwe was the most prominent example of. Is there an internet? I, I guess, and it's it's mentioned in the ESPN article about uh, Sasaki, where I guess that was one of the reasons Kentucky would leave the country for basketball tournaments was because when out of the country Oscar Sheepway could do NIL opportunities in like the Bahamas that would be in a more <laughs> legal gray yeah, area. So, in the, so that the big Kentucky booster in uh in, in the Bahamas could give him a, a five hundred thousand uh, dollar fee for showing up at a Casino, I don't and, know. And so. and yeah, put his, put his, uh, just put his likeness up. That, put his, I suspect put Vanderbilt might play a game board. or two in Mexico if they sign. If yeah, they but sign no, but I, I, yeah, no. I've heard about him, seen that. Obviously, Auburn said, "Hey, can we get in the mix?" And I think it's probably going to be one of those two schools because of that endowment, the full scholarship kind of situation. Jason, uh, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you guys have yeah, got. Check us out, AuburnUndercover.com, a part of the 24-7 network, and also follow me on Twitter at ITATJason. Great stuff as usual. Thanks, Thanks again. guys. Appreciate it. We're back with hour number two. Stick with us. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Bill and Dan drew at the controls. Yes, the regular crew here for hour number two. Our thanks to Jason Caldwell for uh, being with us for hour number one. I hope you had a chance to hear JC. If you uh, missed any of that or any of the shows, we encourage you to uh, download, check out the podcasts. Podcasts of The Drive, available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to ESPNAU.com and use the podcast center uh, that's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Hour number two of The Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at Uh, orthoclinic.com. We'd love for you to join in. Understand, I I know there are a lot of of baseball fans that are are watching the game. We're watching along, and we'll keep you updated. The Braves-Phillies, game three, this is a critical game. Say this, what you say what you just said off the air, Bill. Say, uh, say it on the air. Well, I think the team that wins this game wins the series. I think so too. I agree. And and you'll look if you look back, game three winners in best of five, uh, if if the series tied one apiece, 
Of course, if the series is 2-0, Game 3 winner definitely going to win that series. But no, when the series is tied at one apiece, the Game 3 winner goes on to win nearly three-quarters of the time. Right. Braves got on the board uh, earlier in the third inning. Uh, it was... Uh, An Ozzy Albies, yeah. uh, Ozzy Albies drove in. Uh, Ronald Acuna Cun- Jr. Yeah. Cun- Cunha got the double, and then uh, and then Ozzy brought him in, and then uh, Castellanos uh, ties the oh, game. That was, that was a blast with a bomb to left field off of Bryce Elder, first base runner of the game. Yep, uh, for the Phillies, and now they're threatening uh, with a runner on second and two outs in the third inning. Game is tied at one uh, in Philadelphia. Again, we will be joining that game in progress at the end of the show, at the end of this hour, and then following that. Uh, the the coverage of the Dodgers Diamondbacks as the Dodgers look to stave off elimination with the series moving to Arizona. That's right. ESPN radio coverage of the NLDS. We will have uh, uh, the, yeah, the conclusion of, of Braves Phillies and then uh, the game out west in Phoenix with Arizona looking to who was Arizona's last NLCS? Did they, did they make uh, it? Have they made it since they won? Since 2001? Maybe they've been to one since maybe then. May, may, maybe the year the Rockies. One, one, one at all? Yeah, it seems like they did. It seems like they did play the Cubs in the postseason. Oh, was the, since it, that? Not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was that year that they. Uh, I think it was maybe the year the Rockies uh, won won the National League. The uh, you know they they eliminated Arizona uh, that year. But it's it, there have not been very many in the last no, two decades not. or so. And, and Arizona with a chance one game away uh, from their first NLCS in at least. Uh, 10 years, maybe uh, yeah. um, maybe 15. The Dodgers sending Lance Lynn to the mound against rookie Brandon Fott. Yeah, a couple, uh, you know, c- couple of guys who had up and down regular seasons now with a, uh, with a chance to, uh, to put a big one on the board for their respective teams. We'd love for you to join in here in hour number two. Give us your thoughts on Auburn LSU coming up this weekend. Anything you want to talk about, though, sports-wise, 334-321-1390 is the phone number. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by our friends at southeastern industrial contractors bill how are you feeling about a saturday night's auburn lsu game you think this it's just is not a-, a good matchup for auburn i don't think i mean they're gonna have to yeah you have to hope that auburn after the open date is really fresh uh they they have guys as healthy as possible they've been able to figure out a couple of things that they feel like they can do and that will be successful against an LSU defense that still it seems lost. But I just I just wonder, you know, if Jaden Daniels is not um, bothered by that shot he took to the ribs and then he took another one after that, uh, it's it's hard to imagine, you know, holding them down a lot. Auburn would I think Auburn's gonna need to have enough offense to get around 30 points. To have a chance. And the, yeah, I mean, how, how Auburn uh, produces yards and points against LSU is sort of a different question than how does the Auburn defense match up against Jaden Daniels and everything that the LSU offense uh, has for Auburn this weekend. I, I would, yeah, I mean, it just, it just feels like it's it's pick your poison for LSU. I, w- I would really try to neutralize Jaden Daniels out of the pocket. I wouldn't want him to be able to, pick up big chunks of yardage with his legs and and keep the defense mm-hmm. off balance that way. That feels like you're really leaning on your secondary, though, right? I mean, because that would require, I imagine that would require blitzing. That would require, uh, you know, not, not keeping a lot of guys back in support of your defensive backs and maybe even blitzing guys in the, from the secondary 
right? Because they might be able to chase down Jaden Daniels more effectively than defensive linemen or linebackers. Maybe this is where Donovan Kaufman returning to Louisiana, he's going to be tasked with. Are we thinking Donovan's plan? Right, feels like he's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think so. I mean, uh, uh, he apparently was was out and running around yeah. yesterday. Uh, didn't look like he was limited at all. I would think he might be tasked with chasing the quarterback down quite a bit because Jaden Daniels is somebody who can. I mean, I, I just. I mean, with, tough, with, that, that's tough. I but, don't think. But he Donald's can outrun as fast as, as Jaden Daniels. Yeah, but he, but he can outrun linebackers, right? No, like that's it, true. It feels like you'd you'd rather have you know whether it's a safety or 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 a, a slot corner or something coming to uh, uh, coming to try to to, to neutralize that than uh, than a linebacker or a defensive end who's going to be. Although that's what Marcus Harris and Keldrick Falk are also under a lot of pressure uh, to uh, to hold up because of everything uh, that that a, a a dual threat quarterback throws at defensive ends whether it's reading the the run versus the pass or having to chase him when he's outside the pocket uh, you know there's and, and having to defend the run like this is a uh, yeah it's just a really tough matchup and uh, if if Auburn can force Jane Daniels into some uh-oh Bryce uh, with with a is that a fair or foul ball my goodness that ball is gone that is uh, that, that is, is a, that <coughs> Nick uh, Castellanos' oh. home run was oh. uh, was a pop up compared oh. to that. Oh, Bryce! Bryce just sent one. Bryce just sent one to orbit. A two run was it a two That's or a three, three run shot? That's a three run bomb. Two outs. Yeah, four one Phillies, and this is not good news for the Braves. Now this is a long way from being over, and the Phillies bullpen has has struggled. Bryce has been pretty good in the postseason. Oof. That that was a yeah. Check the highlight reel if you did not see. Bryce I saw Harper's. where it landed. It if, landed if it, just shy it, of being in the top top yeah. of that the thing, stadium. That thing nearly left. Uh, that, that thing nearly left the uh, ballpark in Philadelphia. Is it uh, Citizens Bank? Citizens Bank yeah. ballpark. That that thing nearly went up and over. I've uh, not been in Citizens Bank. I was in the old vet. Yeah, and that and that also that put a charge into this. Uh, that put a charge into this ballpark too. And now, you've golly, got it's Bri- Bryce, Bryce Elder. Elder. You you got to get the bullpen. I mean, uh, Jason was talking about this early. You know. Unless the game gets a team puts a three or four spot up, you don't you want to do everything you can to try to win game three in a best of five when it's tied at a game apiece. And Alec and uh, Alec and I still think he should have changed the pronunciation of his name to to bomb. B O H M is much better than bomb if you're a slugger. Well, that, that was a bomb. That was a bomb by Bryce. Bryce Harper. Yeah, th- that was. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's. Braves fans cannot stand. Bryce Harper. Well, they, he, they add that one to the add that one to yeah. the list of evidence as as to why he's uh, he's oh, not yeah. he's not a popular guy around Truist. Yep. Uh, anyway, let's see where were we? Uh, we were talking, talking about, about Daniels uh, and how defense matches yeah. up against Jaden Daniels. It's it's just <laughs> yeah, it's tough. To it, it, it's funny we had because somebody yesterday was saying you know play him like like Auburn played Johnny Manziel. Well, no, Johnny Manziel, you were worried about him breaking contain. And you worry about Jaden Daniels doing that, but Jaden Daniels does as much or more of his damage right up the middle yeah. when when there's when when he sees a sliver available opening in front of him, he can get through it and just be galloping downfield. Because and that's yes, uh, yesterday uh, Jake Crane said uh, I forgot how he described him exactly, but I started thinking it reminds me of a. A horse, how straight up the secretariat he is, and, and he used, and just, I mean, just used, flying you know, down the field. Used, used, used a famous racehorse or something as as an example. No, that that's uh, he he is somebody who uh, in in Jaden Daniels. I I just I wonder what what the Auburn defense is going to view as the most important thing to stop. Right between 
between Daniels getting positive yardage with his legs, between Daniels getting outside the pocket and and finding receivers, or between Jaden Daniels just through the air, you know, attacking the, these. I mean, it's. I, I think there's a couple different there's a couple different ways Auburn could try to defend him. N- none of them n- none of them seem like they're going to be high percentage because he's such a uh, a quality player, but it's a. Uh, uh, it, it's it's a it's a really tough challenge for Ron Roberts and company to decide you know how, how they're going to approach. Yeah, this. I saw a stat today that that Auburn is is right at the bottom of the SEC in number of plays of 15 yards or more. It seems like LSU has one of those every three or four plays, doesn't it? I mean, they just they are a big play after big play kind of team. Yeah, I mean, well, that's and the last two <laughs> weeks, especially Missouri and uh, M- Missouri and and Ole Miss. I mean, th- those were two weeks where I mean. I mean the, the the point totals, the yardage totals. It's 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 very different than anything Auburn's seen this year. Even uh, e- even that Georgia offense that that's racking up points now. Like this is a uh, it's, it's a different kind of team that, that Auburn's going to face. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to the phone. And Jones is up first. Hey man, how's it going? Fine. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing fine. I got an ifs and buts kind of a question for you. If Auburn would have maybe pulled the trigger on Malzahn earlier, maybe a year earlier, or if let's just say they brought in Hugh Freeze immediately after they got rid of Gus rather than bringing in Parsons. Do you feel like we still have Bo Nix as our quarterback? Hmm. All right. Somebody asked me this, this question um, a week or so ago, you know, my answer probably not because he'd be in the NFL. Gotcha. Um, but but right. I don't think Bo would have transferred, no. Right. Or right. another thing is, if Auburn does their standard first play of the game, handoff up the middle for a yard and a half game, the game's over. I think what Auburn needs to do seriously is come out and just try something different mm-hmm. on first down. And I've said on the radio before to you, try something like a misdirection. You'll roll the quarterback out and have 21 coming in the opposite direction and pitch the ball to him. And if you get five, six yards where he jukes a guy, you get a little more confidence in that offensive team. But just can't you can't keep doing the same first play that Auburn's done for the last 15 years. You know, the play that I've seen from Auburn a couple of times in the last couple of weeks that I, that I think, I don't know, not, not to recommend something on the first play, but I like the, missed, you know, the, uh, the play action run to somebody and then they get it to Petit. Right, we've seen sort of a, you know they'll, they'll they'll play action to uh, to, to Jarquez and flip it to Batie, or maybe they'll play action to Batie and actually get it to him there on the boot. Like I, I think something that gets Peyton Thorne on the move and gives him right. a high percentage throw early, uh, it feels like it could be, uh, you know, it, especially against a team overplaying the run, uh, you know, it could be the it could be the way to go. Because because you're right, I think it's it's and it's something that, that's come up when people talk about making the switch from Peyton to Robbie. I don't think Auburn has the talent level right now to signal that they're running the football to a defense and then run the football on that defense. Like they need to be right. keeping teams guessing. You know, I, I said it earlier in the week, like maybe Auburn should be maybe Auburn should be looking like they're going to pass every time they line up and then trying to run out of those formations to to keep defenses right. worried rather than, you know, lining up in a uh, you know, some something that that tips it that it's going to be a run. And then, and then running from that formation. Well, I agree. And uh, I said a couple of weeks ago to you, if they'll spread that wide receiver crew out to either sideline, 
and then uh, just just on the first or second play, just to do something that Auburn hadn't done in many years, and just throw a deep one down the middle. Even if you overthrow everybody like Sullivan did Beasley on his first pass of their Auburn career in their sophomore year. Um, that tells everybody this is a different Auburn look. And I think I'm disappointed, that, again, that Hugh gave this offense to somebody else and didn't come in there and take charge this year and then give it to somebody maybe in the next uh, subsequent years. I think he made a fundamental blunder. I really do. I think he was told, my, and, and maybe by people he was talking to, that it's, it's so tough to be head coach, CEO, and chief play caller these days. But it's also important to be putting an offense out there that, that gets recruits and fans excited about, you know, not just right now, but the future. And so, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of different things to consider. I totally agree with your comments. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate the call, Jones. Uh, we'll get one more before our first break, and that's Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good. all right. Good to hear from hey, you. Hey, just uh, caught y'all on my way home from work and uh, heard y'all talking about the matchup. And I kind of agree. It's, it's not a great matchup because, uh, I mean, LSU's offense is obviously pretty – they've been scoring a lot and moving the ball. And our offense is – I mean, Georgia was the first time I could say they – we could feel a little bit of But even then, you know, passing – the passing game is still – just anemic, you know, and I, you know, everybody's got their things they blame it on, but it's just, I've been a little disappointed in just not seeing the Hugh Freeze type of offense that I'm used to seeing. And, you know, I know y'all were just talking about with the last caller, you know, he's got to decide, I guess, how he's going to do it going forward. But I just hope, I hope that, you know, because Hugh Freeze, you know, looking back at Ole Miss and Liberty and all his other stops, I mean, he always was able to be innovative and and just find ways to get stuff done on the field, and I hope that's what we can do. But, yeah, it's not a good matchup on either side of the ball for us. Uh, hopefully we can just go down there and surprise the people, but, you know, I'm not really putting my hopes on it. Um, just see what we can do. It's just not a great – not a great matchup, especially on the defensive side. Just how the you know not having Keontae is a is a killer, mm-hmm. and You're you right. know, and just hopefully Jalen can be a close to a hundred percent as possible out there. And you know, it's just you know, it's just it just ain't a good matchup. But just wanted to put my two cents in there. And thanks for the show, guys. Yeah, Josh, appreciate the call. And I mean, you know, losing uh, Mo Nasili Kite is 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 not great either. I mean, just because of depth. And how how much defensive linemen you hope they don't have to play a ton of snaps, but I mean that's just that's one less guy to play and puts a little more pressure you, on on Keldrick Falk. You hope and Zeke Walker. You hope you don't have to play a bunch of snaps, but against LSU yes. and Ole Miss, you usually do. You probably will. And yeah, losing do. losing to Silakite uh, is a it's a, it's a damaging uh, you know it's 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 a damaging blow to a defensive line that already didn't you know I, I think they were already kind of thin. Who steps in and plays more? I know, I know Keldrick Falk would be the obvious answer, Bill. Who else is maybe playing more? That's what with Zeke, Zykevious Walker. Zykevious I mean, Walker, he's, we he's, saw. He's yeah. definitely – he played a handful of snaps, played six or seven snaps, maybe a little more than maybe that against Georgia. After, maybe those were after the Nasilakite injury. May too. have been, like, but, maybe but he's, started... been, he's been playing a little. He's going to have to play a good bit more. Keldrick Falk's going to have to play a lot. Phillies have batted around, and uh, Nick Castellanos, who hit the homer – to get them on the board, just struck out to make the final out, but not before the Phils put six 
on the board against the Braves. They go to the fourth. I got a feeling, yes, we will have we will have a good portion of the game left by the time we're off the air, unless this thing don't, really flies. Don't, don't count out the Braves with this. No, 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 not at all. That's what any, I'm saying. Any stretch, I think there. I think there will be. Uh, There'll be some there'll be some baseball here on ESPN 106.7 with the Braves Phillies after the show. A we tower, need to get a yeah, towering three run home run from Bryce and then a, a double from JT Real Muto that brought in a couple more after the uh, after after the home run. Need to get to our first break of the hour. John, hold on, you're up. When we come back here on the Wednesday Drive. Hi, this is Jessica Venturi. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, and let's get right back to the phones. And it's like, uh, yeah, Triple J here. We had uh, Jones, Josh, and now John is next. Hey, John. Hi, uh, so I hope you all are having a good day. Uh, it's uh, I'm enjoying your show. Hey, just a couple quick things. I, I don't have a great deal of expectation or hope on Saturday. I've uh, been down and seen that before. Or did we lose a show? But yeah. LSU is amongst the least classy fan base I've ever experienced. Candidly, I'm not so sure I'd rather be in Israel than sitting out in uh, Tiger Stadium watching Auburn get get beat with that fan base. But that's just one thought. Anyway, I had a question. Uh, we got any updates on uh, any rumors or updates about uh, Auburn's apparel deal? That's really the only question I had, and I'll let you guys go. Appreciate it. No, you know, it's been pretty quiet. I know a, a couple of people have asked, and uh, there's there's not much buzz going on right now. I The only thing I'd heard was that uh, Under Armour um, is, not, is, is not ready to just say, here, go ahead and go with somebody else, that they may be, um, they may be trying to sweeten the offer to try to stick with Auburn. That's about the only thing I've heard. Uh, yeah, uh, there's been nothing leaking out publicly. I mean, I, I would I would say that the, I mean, the top players, if assuming Auburn is being courted by everyone uh, in the apparel game, the top players right now are Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. Under Armour might have the inside track because they've had the relationship with Auburn uh, for going on two decades now. Uh, but Auburn has some prominent alumni with Nike, uh, deals. Adidas has been very aggressive whenever anybody uh, is in there. I know Nike uh, with the Jordan brand ha- has worked into some college athletics uh, programs as well. I think there's a, a handful of jo- I mean, the SEC will have two Jordan brand schools next year when Oklahoma joins uh, Florida. Uh, I know there's now Kentucky is a did you see this bill that like so so you know how there are now Jordan brand schools. Yes. So Kentucky is designating themselves it's the the Kobe Bryant Nike brand, Ma, the Mamba. Yeah, like it's like so, so. I guess Kentucky basketball is the first. Like they're gonna mm-hmm. have they're gonna have Kobe Bryant affiliated uh, merchandise from Nike as well. They've they've been chosen as the as like the Mamba, the Mamba school or something like that. I, I don't have the exact details in front of me. And then Boston College is a New Balance school, which uh, is is always it always uh, is fun to point out. There's one major conference school that that has New Balance as their apparel provider. And I guess they, they they go to other people for like the stuff that New Balance doesn't make in their athletic department, but a lot of it is provided uh, by New Balance. So I, I don't know. Like, I think it's irresponsible to sort of guess yeah. between Under Armour and Nike and Adidas 
uh, who it could be. Uh, so so I, I would just wait for I, I would wait for something to emerge there because I, I don't know what uh, I, I don't know exactly where that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if we hear something, we will pass it along. But like do I said, feel, that's, that's really only do you I've feel heard. strongly about who which because like, I've, I've always heard the you heard the thing about Under Armour holding you back with basketball recruiting. Right. Like that was yeah, a thing. And that for doesn't a long really time. seem to be uh, that, that hasn't seemed to be a terrible. No. And, and I'll tell you uh, what, I actually yeah, would hindrance. Well, and if you're if you're an athletic provider's top priority, Rather than one of several for someone else, you know, maybe it's not as helpful to be, you know, with with Nike or Adidas if if they're if they're going to be right. If you're just one of the crowd, if you're if you're one of a bunch of schools with one of those two programs, so I so I don't know uh, what what the uh, what the future holds there. I don't also like I I don't I don't have a. I mean, Troy is an Adidas school, and I've been given a lot of really cool Adidas stuff or Adidas uh, Troy branded stuff over the last couple of years. Um, I so so I you know I, I can tell you that Adidas makes. Uh, some some cool team affiliated uh, stuff, uh, but no, I, I don't feel strongly about what, one way or the other. I think the shoe size thing, Bill. I haven't been able to, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not one of these guys that has loyalty to. Oh yeah, you know that's got to be. You're not brand loyal. No, no, I, yeah. I'll go with I'll go with whatever's cheap on the clearance site uh, that, that's in my size. Uh, speaking of basketball, well, that, that's sort of basketball. You were talking about sure, basketball yeah. in there. There was basketball uh, talking there. The, uh, the the NCAA announcing that's it's. Settlement with Kansas today. They did lose. They did lose a Final Four. They right? they they have to vacate that Final Four appearance. 2018 and wins. Yeah, due to Silvio D'Souza's participation. But they did not get any of the future. And, and Bill Self is fine. And that was after after what Louisville got earlier this year. It seemed unlikely that the NCAA was going to uh, to, to to hit Kansas harder mm-hmm. than they'd already been hit. Now Kansas had been dealing with. Some loss of scholarship and some financial penalties and things, uh, but no, it sounds like Bill Self will uh, uh, will, will be able to. Although I imagine that if anything were to happen in the future, uh, this would you know don't don't get caught again. Yeah, yeah, this this would come up like this would maybe yeah. be like we we might revoke maybe uh, you might revoke whatever maybe we the gave NCAA is still around by, if, the, by yeah. the next time. But but no, it does seem like Kansas is uh, is going to be able to move forward from what they'd uh, what they'd uh, been dealing with for the last couple of years. Yeah, well, you're talking shoes, and I mean, a lot of this was related to uh, to that as well. All right, we're approaching the bottom of the hour. Did you see the Tom Izzo stuff, by the way? That spe- speaking of uh, big time yeah. basketball, I, the the quote, the quote about. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about here, Drew? So Tom Izzo was talking about this the was, transfer this portal was two or three days ago, right? And and he said the 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 quote that really cracked me up was the one, and I understand what he's saying. But I also understand why uh, coaches like Tom Izzo might not want unhappy players to be able to leave because if you're hard on your players, uh, you know they, they might they might take you up on, on the offer to go into the transfer portal. But but he said uh, the, the quote that the Tom Izzo had um, quote you know what what's wrong with being unhappy I'm unhappy most of my life. Unhappy drives, drives you. Unhappy drives you. Unhappy pushes you. Unhappy makes people realize, you know what? I'm not good enough. I've got to get better. Unquote. So, yeah, but you know what? Unhappy does with the transfer portal. They go, I've got to get out of here. You know, you, it's rare, the unhappiness is something you rarely see people advocate for. Yeah, and we Tom need more is, unhappiness. Uh, yeah, it's just now. Now the quote uh, later in that same story from ESPN. Uh, did you realize, Bill, the the stat about 19 percent of the D1 players. 19% of the D1 players who were on scholarship and went into the portal did not find a scholarship. No. In the they, portal. they had some schools that said they could walk on, but they did not so, 
They did not find yeah. So so nearly one out of every five players who entered the basketball transfer portal who were scholarship players didn't have one when it was all so when the, the dust so settled. The, so the grass isn't always greener did, in in men's college basketball. Did you, did you see the story? I forgot who wrote it today about the some of the proposals now that the NCAA is having about the transfer portal. As I've seen that they've li- they've limited and, the and dates, NI, right? NIL, but NIL. Ooh, no. There's I... been there's there's now and this is in the talking stages, but the NCAA is considering uh giving more to the schools, having the schools be able to uh have um instructions, have people there to handle any tax situations or have the schools really handle the NFL, uh, the NIL, sort of turning the collectives into school-based, which is what some of the schools already were were trying to do, and the NCAA said no. It looks like the NCAA is realizing, hey, it's happening anyway. So, so they're talking about the distance that schools and NIL collectives yes, are supposed to have. Yes, un- yeah. bringing a lot yeah. more of NIL under the school's control. Yeah, I, I wonder um... – I mean, I think some of that would be school, that school, schools was... worrying about like would they would they be violating rules and things? But but no, I think if uh, if if the rules were to allow schools and NIL collectives to work together, right now it's almost like a relationship between like super PACs and political campaigns where they're 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 going for the same goals, but they're not supposed to be uh, working really closely with each other. If if uh, if the rules changed and allow schools and NIL collectives to collaborate like more openly and more officially, I'm sure that a lot of schools would be will, mm-hmm. willing to work with their – because so many of them have picked one collective, right? right. And said, I go with this one or, or, or this one is sponsoring a lot of our stuff. Yeah, I'm sure they'd rather uh, they'd rather have a, 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 more, a more official relationship. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Our weekly Tiger Take segment is up next as uh, Jacob Goins will uh, visit with Eugene Asante – on the other side here on the Wednesday Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Right now, it's time for our weekly Tiger Take segment brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And earlier today, Jacob Goins visited with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante. Here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, I'm Jacob Goins, host of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. And joining me as he does every single week, it's Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante here for Tiger Takes uh, each and every week throughout this football season on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Eugene, great to hear from you again. I know I was out last week, but you sat down with Ben. Everything sounded good. Um, and again, just appreciate your time each and every week joining us here on ESPN. Yeah, like like last week, I appreciate y'all having me, man. It was uh, it was fun coming on the show and being able to you know talk and get different perspectives. So I appreciate y'all having me. Well, uh, let's go back to uh, to that Georgia game just for a little bit. Not don't want to harp on it too much, but it was a really really uh, special Saturday in Auburn. I know uh, the result wasn't what you wanted or what the team wanted or what the fans were looking for, but other than the result. Um, it was a really, really 
unique and special day in Auburn with the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. All the recruits that were here, the atmosphere was fantastic. And so for you personally to play in a game like that against the number one team in the country at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium, what did that mean for you? Oh, man, it meant a lot. You know, just getting able to play in front of the fans and the atmosphere. Like, you can really feel the atmosphere while you're being out there. It's, like, it's just a different type of environment at Jordan Air. So, I was so excited to be out there, you know, put my best foot forward. And, you know, ultimately the result wasn't what we wanted. But we we have a lot to learn from. We have a lot to grow upon. And uh, we know what we need to do to continue to improve. And, you know, like, like I said before, we're trying to embrace it with a growth mindset. You know, own what's on the film and – you know, just continue to grow and build our, you know, build the foundation of our team. So that's that's what we want to do. We want to continuously grow throughout the season. And all like when we get to game 12 and get to the last game of the season, we want to be at the best we best football we've ever played. So it's every week is a continuous process. And and Georgia Georgia came out and they played a really good game. You know, uh, Brock did a really good job. Carson did a really good job. So kudos to those guys. And it was fun going against them. Yeah, what's it mean for for you in this defense? Because once again, uh, the this Auburn defense has played pretty much locked down, and you've given this team chances and to be in football games, which is the job of the defense, right? To to stop the other team, of course, but to give your offense chances to win the football game, and you guys did that once again against Georgia with what seemed to be a really really good game plan. Yeah, um, you know biggest thing is like covering our brothers back you know we want to be somebody we want to be people that our brothers can depend on you know the brothers on the other side and you know we harp on it like whether it's a bad play on the offense or good play for the offense we're like we want to go out there and protect our brothers so that's something we pride ourselves on you know we just you know flush whatever happened before or after you know so we just go out there and try to put our best foot forward and uh you know help our brothers out so um you know, you know, we're we're grateful for the performance. We've seen a lot of good things. We've seen a lot of things we can improve upon. But you know, like I said, Georgia came out, played a really good game, and you know, uh, give them credit. They, you know, they had a really good game plan. They schemed up a lot of good things. So, um, just gonna take our momentum and b- build upon it for LSU. Auburn football coming off of the bye week. And, uh, Eugene, before we talk about what the team did and kind of what the mindset is going through the bye week and coming out of the bye week, uh, I'm curious on what what does Eugene Asante do during a bye week? What did you do during the past week where you didn't have a game to prepare for? Um, I know there was still work being done, but maybe a little bit more relaxed. What what are some things you got into during the bye week, man? Uh, man, I was just relaxing, trying to get the body back right, you know, just catching up on sleep. You know, that's one that – one thing I don't take for granted on a bye week is get catching up on sleep and then, you know, enjoying myself. You know, I was in Netflix a little bit. I was watching this TV show uh, called The Ballers. Okay. Uh, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I got into that on a bye week. It was pretty. It was a pretty good show. So um, other than that, you know, just getting getting my mind clear, watching a little bit of the LSU-Missouri game and, you know, just relaxing, talking to family, chopping it up and, you know, just seeing how everybody was doing and, you know, that, you know, pretty low maintenance so that was pretty smooth for me that's awesome man well that's what the bye week's about right it's what it's about you don't have to stress on it did it feel weird does it always feel weird on a Saturday in the fall when it is the bye week when you're not preparing for a game and having to go to the stadium and suit up and all that and watching other people play all Saturday is that not weird Uh to you a hundred percent I realized I was like man I was kind of I woke up like amped up I'm like man it's Saturday but we don't got a game (laughs) I'm like man so it, 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 that that I, in that sense, I had to really uh, change my mind and like, man, I get to relax and just, you know, not focus on football this weekend. But 
other than that, it was just like, you know, watching LSU. I got to watch a couple other games that was really good this weekend too. So, you know, you really don't have that playing um, playing week to week, you know. So it's good to catch up and watch uh, some guys I knew throughout college football and watch them play and perform. So. It was really good. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And and look, man, the SEC's a grind each and every Saturday. And the bye week uh, really seemed to come at a good time uh, for the entire Auburn football team. I know uh, this team is dealing with uh, a ton of injuries, and it seems like the injury bug just continues to go around. And um, uh, the bye week is a great time to try and get some guys back. And so how have you guys been dealing with that? this season because it's literally been every week where you've had question marks on both sides of the football but especially you guys on the defensive side uh dealing with some of those lingering injuries with some guys that are out for uh the foreseeable future but just how do you battle that and and go through a season when you do have so many injury struggles yeah you really got to just prepare the young guys you know let them know that uh their time can come anytime um you know just prepare your mind and you know put yourself in the situation whether you're not getting those reps in practice or getting those reps in the game, you gotta, you know, you gotta sit there and mentally take reps every play. Know what you need to do. Know your alignment, your assignment, your technique, and execute it to the best of your ability. So, uh, that's the biggest thing we're trying to do is, you know, just encourage those that are not playing right now, just to stay ready. Um, you're, you know, you can be called up to action anytime. And, uh, you know, football is a hard game. It's a physical game. You know, it's a collision sport. Um, so we, we know the we know the price that goes into this game. So we have to go out there and uh, prepare and, you know, just prep our bodies to the utmost ability. Um, and, you know, injuries do happen, so you have to stay prepared and get on it and, uh, you know, get the ones that are injured uh, back healthy and then keep the ones that are healthy healthy. So um, that's the one thing our training staff and all the people in our facility are doing, trying to emphasize uh, making sure we're healthy, not trying to beat, up, beat down our body in the middle of the season and, just uh, recover as much as possible, emphasizing recovery to all of us and investing in our body. So it's a big thing for all of us. We're joined by Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante for our weekly interview for Tiger Takes here on ESPN 106.7. Um, Hugh, uh, head coach Hugh Freeze on Monday talked about in the bye week a lot of self-evaluation, self-reflection, um, and really looking back on the team as you're right around that halfway point so far this season. And it uh, seemed like there were some things on both sides of the football that, that the coaching staff and the players wanted to kind of get together and make some adjustments so far in the bye week. And it seemed like uh, he was really, really adamant about that on Monday when he was talking to the media. Yeah, Um I think there's a lot we can improve upon, a lot we can build upon, and I'm talking from a defensive perspective, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not over there with the offensive guys, but I think there's a lot that we can improve upon. I think there's a lot that we can get fundamentally sound at. I think there's a lot that we can improve in terms of our alignment. We're still having, you know, little alignment issues that can hurt us, so we're just trying to, you know, be crisp at everything, you know the checks, know the alignments, know everything we have to do within the scheme, and then the let your play, you know, let who you are uh, come out to play. You know, just your effort, your intensity, your, uh, your what you put on on tape. You know, in terms of going after it, getting after it every play. So, you know, we want to fix those pre-snap things, and just that I know that ultimately will get us to uh, become a better team overall. Well, you talked about uh, getting to watch LSU play a little bit on Saturday, and I know you guys have been deep into the film room uh, this week when watching this high-powered LSU offense that's scoring over 40 points a game. You've got Jaden Daniels, who uh, is putting up Heisman-like numbers at the quarterback position, and so 
Uh, what are what are the conversations, first of all, with you and everybody on this defensive uh, side of the football and the defensive staff? Because, look, man, you guys have got your hands full on Saturday. I just don't think there's any other way to put it. Yeah, um, you know, like like I said, playing defense, we have, me personally, and I think the team as well, we embrace uh, challenges. We embrace, we love playing good people. We love playing uh, people that are elite people. And those are the guys we consider elite. You know, LSU and their offense, they got elite elite players on that side of the ball. So, um, you know, the quarterback, Jaden Daniels, does a really good job uh, in terms of delivering, getting the ball to his receivers, slinging it in the passing game. And then uh, when plays break down, he can use his athleticism, which he, he's one of the best in the country at that, you know. So, uh, you know, that's something we embrace, a challenge. You know, and I, as a competitor, you go out there every week and you want to play against the best, you know. So, um, you know, we're excited to go against them. And they got a lot of re- elite receivers, too, number eight. It's a special talent at receiver. Um, and so, you know, we're just grateful for the talent to go against them um, and put our best foot forward and show what we're capable of as a defense. So we're looking forward to the showdown on Saturday. And you guys are on the road uh, once again, back uh, on the road in the SEC, playing uh, there at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. It's another night game. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Auburn seems to always pull the night game down there in Baton Rouge. And, and they always say some weird things happen down there once the sun goes down. So a really, really fun opportunity, though, right, for you, to guy, uh, for you guys to go down and play a night game in one of the best atmospheres in college football. Yeah, 100%. You know, this is why – People come to the SEC. This is why people want to play in these, uh, in these arenas, you know, big games like this. You know, LSU has a great environment. Uh, you know, their stadium is electric at night, and that's something we embrace, you know, uh, going into. And I love going into a hostile environment and, you know, just accomplishing the mission. You know, so that's the biggest thing we're emphasizing right now throughout, the, um, throughout uh, practice and throughout our meetings, you know, just going into hostile territory, um, not being rattled by the situation. And uh, going in and executing the mission, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's to win the football game. So um, whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes in 60 minutes to get the football game won. So uh, we're going to go out there and try We're going to go out there, put our best foot forward, and um, come out with a victory. It's the heart of the SEC schedule. You have LSU on the road this weekend, but then you get to come home uh, for two straight home games against Ole Miss and Mississippi State, uh, coming out of two tough games in the SEC to start with Texas A&M and Georgia. So uh, what what are you guys doing on the defensive side and really as a team as a whole, uh, as the players and the coaching staff, what are you guys doing just to keep your minds fresh, keep your bodies fresh in, like we talked about earlier, a really, really – gruesome SEC schedule as it is every single year in this conference? Yeah, just, uh, you know, when you have time to reset and resetting um, and just getting your mind away from football. But then uh, when it's time to lock in with football, get locked in with football. Uh, know everything we have to do to uh, continue to improve and grow upon the foundation we set. Uh, that includes getting our bodies right, um, you know, and just staying aligned, you know, with the mission, with the goal, and everybody doing their 111, you know, um, on all aspects, you know, just challenging the people around you to put their best foot forward. And, uh, you know, we understand it's a long season and, and it's a hard season, you know, to get through. But we just have to, you know, embrace it, you know, just remember why you're doing this. And, you know, when you're a kid in the backyard at five, six years old throwing the football around, you know, just remember that love and that, that joy that you had playing the, the game of football and never to lose that love and joy, you know. And that's one thing I always try to remember, you know, my inner self, my younger self. and how excited I was to play football for the first time and, you know, just 
going out there and, and just having fun with the game. So whether it's on the college stage or on the, you know, the professional stage, you know, just having fun with playing football. And uh, when you do that, you'll, you'll get the results that you want. And, and I want to bring up, I know we've got, uh, you know, a couple of defensive players, Austin Keys and, and Keontae Scott, who are still battling those injuries and, and out for the foreseeable future. And then the unfortunate news on the defensive line, uh, Messiah Nasili Keat, uh, who was uh, ruled out for the year. Uh, that's that's a big loss for you guys up front when it comes to depth and a guy that's a senior uh, that really can make some big plays on that side of the football. Really hated to see him go down uh, and be out for the year. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a leader in the trenches. You know, Masai came in and, you know, he was an impact player in terms of uh, coming in and, and sounding the foundation within our D-line. You know, he's somebody we really rely on and trust in. And, uh, you know, he gets movement in the trenches. You know, you really feel his presence when he's out there. And it's going to hurt not having him out there because he's such a special player. Um, so, you know, we're just going to have to lead on uh, younger guys. You know, uh, 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 Keldrick Falk. Is a younger guy, you know, mm-hmm. freshman, you know, who's shown a lot of capability and shown a lot of talent. And uh, Zakibius Walker, number 91, he, he you know, he, he has a lot of potential and he's shown a lot of great things on film in the run game and, you know, coming off of blocks and shedding and being violent. You know, he's a violent player. So, you know, just bringing those guys along, you know, and just allowing them to be who they are and encouraging them that they can be, you know, special players for us. And, you know, just gaining that confidence through games, you know, and that being down there in those situations and making plays. So, I'm excited to watch them play. It's a big opportunity for them on this national stage, and you know they're they're going to execute and do the great job. And I believe I have whole confidence um, in all all of us that they're going to do the job on Saturday. Auburn on the road at LSU this weekend. Night game in Baton Rouge. Should be a lot of fun. Auburn looking to get back in the win column coming off the bye week as we sit down each and every week with Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante here on ESPN 106.7. Tiger Takes proudly presented each Wednesday by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. Thanks to the Alsobrook Law Group for their support of Tiger Takes on the drive. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the drive. 